You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a post-Christmas edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. I haven't moved since January 1st, hit the clock, and I lost 28 pounds of eggnog weight this morning. So we're feeling great. What are we talking about in Yankees land? The lockout's still ongoing. No resolution in sight. But we are talking about Matt Chapman trade rumors. We actually have a discussion to have about a recent leak that pulled Matt Chapman into the Matt Olson slot, but not at the position where he'd be most helpful or has any experience whatsoever. Also, the Yankees and Staten Island Yankees, a.k.a. the Staten Island Pizza Rats, are beefing. We're going to talk about how stodgy and tired that makes the Yankees organization look, especially COO Lon Trost who seems like a really lame guy. Lame also, guy. Gary Sanchez is framing. It's an issue. It's always been an issue, but a new video clip surfaced that reveals just how problematic it might be for the Gary Sanchez defenders. And uh, we'll wrap the podcast just by talking about anything else we want to, quite frankly. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Drop us a live comment. We're live on YouTube. 2 o'clock Eastern time, Mondays and Thursdays is where you can hear the pod first. You can hear it after we upload it. Or you can hear it while it's streaming. It's much more fun to be doing that. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the pod. New York Giants beanie, an interesting decision for January 3rd. Most embarrassing organization in sports. Probably the most embarrassing single season I've ever rooted for. Easily. Uh, what was yesterday? 29-3? Something fun? Yeah, that was that was quick. 29-3. It it's, it's a normal score to lose by. It's yeah. good to lose by. Now. I mean, I got to live my reality, and this is it right now. Um, there's not much else to root for. Uh, not much else to do. Um, and the colors are cool. I kind of I like this beanie a lot. It, no, it's good. It's, yeah, good no, it's it's good if they were good. And I got the Chris, the Christmas tree is not coming down until the end of January. Uh, 
today's 25 degrees, there's got to be some semblance of happiness because we always forget Christmas comes a little early. Jesus could have done us a favor by, you know, maybe January 25th would have been good because uh, now we have three months of winter and likely three months of a lockout with nothing to look forward to. I don't know if anyone yeah. here is excited for President's Day or Valentine's Day, but I'm not. I'm here for the next three months. We have an MLB lockout. There is, they have no, they have no, did you see that today? There, there is no meeting scheduled guys. No meeting for the MLB lockout. No, no, no reason to negotiate, I guess, uh, over a month into this whole ordeal. Um, They had their holiday breaks. They spent all of December doing absolutely nothing, ostensibly spending time with family and friends, relaxing. Um, And now here we are, new year, time to find new solutions, figure something out, nothing. Nah, we're good. We'll wait. We'll wait till July. We'll have another shortened season. We'll affect the careers of however many others. And and we'll take it from there. And that's why I feel even don't. Yeah, I got to wear some football gear because at this point, why am I putting Yankee stuff up behind me when we don't know when we're going to see them next? We have no idea. We're going to be talking about Yankees trade rumors, and we don't even know the next time they're going to be able to make a trade. And even the latest trade rumors, dumb. I don't even want to talk about it. Oh, we got to, though. It's another uh, it's another strategic drop. It's the same thing. These insiders, uh, I don't know who gave them the pep talk before the lockout started, but they're all dropping like one bit of knowledge a week per person. It's very helpful if it's about your team because then you don't have to scrounge and make stuff up. And Buster Olney, uh, late last week, just before the new year, decided to drop a, a nugget saying the Yankees were not only engaged on Matt Olson. Obviously, we all know that. Uh, that trades at the one-yard line. We've all talked about that extensively. But they were also engaged on Matt Chapman, uh, a high, an incredible defender at third base, a an MVP candidate in 2019 and 2020. Surprisingly, you might not have noticed, but a top 10 finisher. Uh, terrible by his standards 2021 season, 200 plus strikeouts, which is almost insane yeah. to think about. He finished at 202, a guy that you don't consider to be a high strikeout, high variance bat. Just whiffing that many times is really hard to conceptualize. Doesn't feel like what the Yankees need, but all of this ignores the fact that he's a third baseman, a gold glover, and the only comparable defender to Gio Urshela in like 2019 and 20. And they're talking about trading for him and filling the shortstop vacancy using Matt Chapman. Why is that your solution in another offseason? I get it. It's tough to fill gaps. You got to get creative. You got to get smart. The dregs is all that's available. The Andrelton Simmons of the world. You're, you're sifting up dirt from the bottom of the pile. And so converting a gold glove third baseman to shortstop doesn't feel that ridiculous. And so, of course, the Yankees would have had trade conversations with the A's about Matt Chapman. And maybe they're thinking about doing so as a shortstop. Or maybe they're putting him at third, moving or shell to short in any other offseason. But this offseason had superstar shortstops piling up at the door, available for just money. Carlos Correa is still there. It's not going to happen. Stop saying it's going to happen. Stop trying to make fetch Correa happen. Trevor Story is still there. You could pay him about half of what it's going to cost to get Correa. Robert Murray, baseball insider and fan side, told me today he doesn't understand the market for Story, and he still thinks that there's a chance he could have to sign a one-year prove-it deal, which is what we've been saying all along. And if that's the case, you have a an equivalent to Correa, not Correa, but like a Correa all-star MVP candidate type available for one year's worth of money. Yeah. And you had Javier Baez and you didn't do it. And you had Corey Seager and you didn't do it. And you had uh, Francisco Lindor last offseason, who was also a part of this mess, and you didn't do it. Uh, and you had Marcus Simeon, who might be a second baseman, might be a third baseman. Who knows? You didn't do that either. You didn't do any of those things. In an offseason without all those giant names floating around where you're able to use your big wallet and become the New York Yankees, then sure. 
think about making Matt Chapman a mid-career shortstop after the worst season of his career. But now, with Correa and Story still floating on the market, I do not understand why we're acting like we need to find an alternative to Andrelton Simmons, when really there are two great ones available using just cash. If Story's available for one or two years and they don't do it, I don't know. I don't know what the direction is at that point. This rumor of potentially acquiring Chapman via trade and, and using him at shortstop um, makes me think the A's are leaking something. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I am, I'm a very pessimistic Yankees fan, well-documented, uh, but I don't know if they're this dumb. I know that they we've talked about they think they're the smartest guys in the room. We've talked about how they, they think they can you know outfox their opponents when all their opponents do is outfox them, so all they have to do is just be themselves and they don't do that. Um, but this just seems like the most insane, uh, you, you know, uh, gymnastics that you would have to do to solve a situation and fill a void that already has a multitude of solutions right out there in front of you to fill and figure it out. Because why would the Yankees just not quite acquire Matt Chapman and use Gio Rochella as the one year stopgap and figure it out? Gio Rochella is not a better third baseman than Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman no. was a gold glover this past year in his worst hitting season of his career. And he's a three time gold glover. I understand the argument. The one argument that I get out of this entire thing is if you go into the deep, you go into the deep dive of the analytics, you'll see uh, baseball savant provided me with this. When I was looking, um, the A shifted the six most times of anybody in major league baseball. Um, and I think they were top, they were top 10 against lefties or top eight against lefties or something, which means I'm sure Matt Chapman saw a lot of positioning in the shortstop area, but that doesn't mean you change because then if you change his position, a shortstop, then he's going to be looking at potentially 35% of his playing time on the right side of the infield where he's never played before. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, and Gio Urshela, I understand. I think Matt Chapman has played like 10 innings at shortstop or something like that. Gio Urshela has played that's 41 enough, games yeah. at shortstop. Great. That's enough. If that's their plan, I'm not, totally against that. You're getting better at one position. You're filling in shortstop with a certainly capable defender. And I think Gio Rochella would get better as the year goes on. And he's still a fine bat to put in the bottom of the lineup. I think we've seen the best from Gio Rochella at this point. And I don't, I, I don't know if he's going to reach that point again. My feeling is that he's, he just, he is what he is and this is what it's going to be. And I think that's a fine situation. You're not going to find many better hitters than that um, in in the role that he's playing, especially if he can play third in the event Chapman needs a breather or Chapman DHs or Chapman's injured, who knows? But I don't understand why this would be a leak from the Yankees talking about an insane plan. Maybe it's to get Trevor Story or Carlos Correa worried that one of their suitors will come off the market if they decide to enact this insane scenario that doesn't make any sense. Um I don't I, – I, I can't – I have to sit here and say that I, I simply cannot believe this. Um, I get discussing it internally and having a conversation because you should have conversations about everything in terms of improving your roster. But yeah. whoever brought this up, whoever was leading the meeting should have fired this person probably on the spot um, or at least downgraded them to intern duties and they had to get coffees or something for a week because you can't be pitching that at any point even if – even with whatever's going on with the Yankees at this moment, with everybody else that's available and the other options that are plentiful and there for the taking. I'm not going to say no to acquiring Matt Chapman. Mm. I'm just going to, he's my, he's, 
far and away, at least at, at the highest point, third on my power rankings of the A's I want to take away from the Oakland fire sale. Yeah. Olsen being number one. And uh, my preferred starter, Chris Bassett, being number two. But probably Frankie Montas is probably third. And Chapman is probably tied for fourth with Sean Maniah. I would take any of them on my team. But Olsen and pitching way ahead of converting Matt Chapman to a shortstop. If you're going to get Matt Chapman, you're right. Keep him at third base. Yeah. Even during Urshela's heyday, when we loved to – everybody loved to defend you, Urshela. And you won't find a Yankee fan who wasn't going to talk, uh, you know – anti-smack about Gio. I can't form words today. The opposite of smack about Gio Urshela uh, during his uh, anti-smack during his like best seasons. Yeah, of course I, I was going to say the defensive metrics suck during 2019. The, the, the ones that prove Urshela is not an elite defender. So it's watch the games. Come on. Haven't you read the metrics? But the one guy you always had to surrender to was that, yeah, Matt Chapman's better. He's a better defender than Gio Urshela. Mm-hmm. I was never going to be like, yeah, he didn't deserve the gold gloves. Of course he does. He's better than Gio Urshela. Everything backs it up. I test stat test. Um, so yeah, Gio at short, uh, and Chapman at third. And if Gio struggles, you trade him and promote your prospects. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that more than I understand signing Andrelton Simmons and keeping Gio Rochella at third and, or shopping him and moving DJ LeMayhew to third. And I, I understand everything more than signing Simmons and calling that a day at shortstop. Yeah. Simmons had some crazy, uh, you, you let Andrelton Simmons loose for a full Christmas of Omicron, and he's going to post stuff on his Instagram that's like questioning the vaccine effectiveness. Uh, he's just not a very smart guy. Yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of this emoji. Just like, wait a second. If somebody received the coronavirus, does that mean that it is fake and the test actually just tested normal blood? Very interesting. No, not very interesting. Um, just a crazy thing that you put on your Instagram in case it was in case you already didn't have a good enough reason to not want to pursue Andrelson Simmons. He gives you a different one every day. The stats, the defensive regression, the personality, none of it is good. So I would, I, I would look, I'd convert Matt Chapman to a pitcher before I sign Andrelson Simmons, <laughs> but I still think Chapman at third, it boils down to Chapman at third, G at short fine, but Chapman is still third or fourth in my rankings of the A's I most want to pursue. So I, I, why bend over backwards to acquire him before making the much smarter, much more sensical acquisitions uh, on the other parts of the Because diamond? they're cheap, because he had a bad year. He had a bad yeah. year, so they're trying to get him without surrendering the prospect hall. That's my guess. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, Andrelton Simmons, I got uh, an Andrelton Simmons card in my uh, Topps uh, hobby box this week, Ooh. so... Uh, I'm considering burning it so I never have to see him again. I folded up my – I pulled a couple Trevor Bowers. I folded them up and threw them in the Oh, trash I got a Bower too. I did it with Marcelo Zuna and Trevor Bauer. They do oh, not – Oh, I got Zuna too, dude. Yeah, I, they, I, don't I, even, they don't even get to stay in the box. Like after I'm done opening the packs, I usually just put them back in the box, case the cards that matter. Those dudes, fold them up in a pile, throw them in a trash can. <laughs> uh, Trevor Bauer might be listening to this. He's probably trolling all of my social media output for the next several weeks. After calling me out on New Year's Day morning. That's how Trevor Bauer spent his New Year's. Uh, if you want to listen to me talk about that, you can listen to today's episode of the Baseball Insiders Podcast where I drop by to talk about what it's like when Trevor Bauer puts you on blast and you are an adult man instead of being a college-age girl, uh, how he maybe treats you a little bit differently than he would have treated a, a female troll. Uh, in addition, uh, so that's a podcast you can listen to. In addition to that podcast, I got another one that might interest you. Plan your work and work your plan. For many athletes, saying such as this can be considered scripture, permanent signposts lining the long road to success in sports. For some, the very act of pursuing a career in sports can give you a sense of control, a sense of safety so long as you stick to the plan. That is, until life happens. 
The kind of life that happens when you're making other plans. Breakdowns, insecurity, panic attacks, PTSD, addiction, sudden life changes. Ones that require an athlete to toss aside their well-laid plans and answer the question, when's your next play? Blindsided is a podcast about sports, mental health, and life launched by the Players' Tribune. It's their first ever mental health podcast. Hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh, the podcast will share and analyze the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and what happened when it did. The podcast lets listeners hear these athletes describe moments when mental health became the most important focus in their lives. Blindsided then dives in deeper. It gets clinical, and it allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down. Blindsided is a sports podcast not only for people who follow sports, but also for those who don't. Highly recommend listening to guests this season who include Kevin Love, Paul Bissonnette, and Kurt Warner. Just had a movie drop. Huge time for him and huge time for Blindsided to get him. That's Blindsided, the first ever mental health podcast launched recently by the Players' Tribune. Highly recommend that. Now let's talk about, uh, on a much lighter note, the New York Yankees. And the Staten Island Pizza Rats, who are no longer a Yankees affiliate. You may remember them as the Staten Island Yankees. They were that once upon a time. Then they became the Pizza Rats very temporarily and briefly back in 2018. Now, Pizza Rat himself became a celebrity in 2015. So, valid criticism of the Pizza Rats baseball uniform redesign manifesto. About three years too late, or at least one year too late, the Pizza Rat on the hat in 2016. Yeah. Banger, Pizza Rat's still doing his victory lap. 2018, Pizza Rat is probably deceased. Let's be perfectly honest. Pizza Rat himself is probably dead. Uh, He hung out in the subway anyway. Those things come through every five minutes if you're lucky. Many opportunities for a rat to get run over by a train. So perhaps the Pizza Rats missed the boat coming as late as they did. It does take three years for genius like that to strike, though. I can see why it maybe took them three years to nail down the redesigned campaign. All in all, can't be mad at Staten Island or Brandios, who came up with the Pizza Rat, who is one of the best minor league rebranding agencies. The only one I know, they're the best. Um, I've reached out to them about free swag in the past. Hopefully this is enough to get me swag uh, in the present. They rule. Pizza Rat is great. Uh, the Yankees had other thoughts about the team rebranding to become the Staten Island Pizza Rats. Uh, Staten Island Yankees got dropped when there was their big old minor league realignment in 2020. Pandemic spurred it on, but Major League Baseball always wanted to leap in and control minor league organizations. They finally got the excuse to when the pandemic shut them down for the entire 2020 season. They streamlined. They dumped affiliates. The Yankees dumped the Trenton Thunder. The Yankees dumped Staten Island uh, with their low-A and double-A affiliates. The Thunder uh, operated in the MLB Draft League this year. I believe that the Pizza Rats, a.k.a. the Staten Island Yankees, a.k.a. I don't actually know what their new name is. I think it has to do with a bird. Uh, I'll look that Staten up. But I believe they joined. Yeah, I, I think they're going to join the uh, Atlantic League this year which is Major League Baseball's, like, weird... Uh, it's the league where they keep putting rule changes in, where they're like, uh, you know, pitch your ankle bracelets or move fairy them out and make it flat. The Fairy Hawks. Okay. That's cool. Great. That's cool. Fine. Well, cool. Uh, and and they're, getting a, they're getting a fresh start, and that's great. But the Yankees dropped them, and they were the only minor league affiliate to really uh, go scorched earth. Yeah on the team that just dumped them. They immediately countersued the Yankees for breach of affiliate contract. And some more uh, details on why it might have been such an animosity-filled divorce leaked out this week. Yankees did not approve of the Pizza Rat's name and, in fact, said that they were embarrassing the historical franchise by uh, putting a Pizza Rat on their hat and playing as the Pizza Rat. 
uh, Lon Trost, the Yankees COO, sent a crazy email that was basically like the Yankees' legacy is at stake. Every time we draft players into the Yankees system and you're turning them into pizza rats, what do you think you're doing? Um, if I got an email like that from a boss, I think I might also be acrimonious when the divorce proceedings finally occurred. Uh, just a compl- I, I mean, do you take a side on this? You, you definitely don't take the Yankees side on this, right? No. It's not embarrassing. That's what minor league baseball is. Yeah. How can you possibly be mad at the Pizza Rats, who, by the way, sold a lot of gear in the wake of being yeah. becoming the Pizza Rats? Yeah, oh, who's who's mad at the Trash Pandas? The Are the Angels mad at the Trash Pandas? I mean, The Trash Pandas, it's their full-time name. Yeah. It's not just like a couple days a year alternate. Yeah. They're always the Trash Pandas, and the Angels don't care about that. Plenty, pl- plenty of ridiculous things. I mean, the, you're right. This is what minor league baseball is. It's like quirky, funny stuff that attracts. They're in it, They're in Staten Island, dude. Ever been to Staten Island? There's nothing there. I used to. I was born there. There's nothing there. It's a wasteland. There, people need something to do. You promote the pizza rats. Yeah, a bunch of people come to the stadium. All these play like Trenton, too. Trenton should have probably also – I think Trenton did blast the Yankees for their behavior. It was a lot of non-communication. I I had known somebody that worked there and said, um, you know, they were trying to contact the Yankees and be like, hey, what's going on? Oh, no, yeah, everything's good, cool. And then one day, boom, it's over. Um, mm-hmm. So they they should have been just as um, just as harsh in their response when calling out the Yankees. But, yeah, same type deal. Trenton, kind of middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, capital of New Jersey, but you ever go there? You ever drive there? Not really a great place, not really much to do. So you have and makes the world takes. Yeah, you got a little little bit of fun baseball with a pork roll. There are the pork rolls. There's nothing. What's yeah. endearing about a jar? I have the hat. It's a sandwich with a disgusting piece of bologna. It's not I even. Also pork. have the hat. It's bologna. Um, so I don't know what the deal is here. I don't know why the. I mean, this go. This just you go back and listen to the Yankees' history and whatnot. You have the facial hair policy. When is that going to end? We don't know. We could talk about it and cry about it all we want. Um, I shouldn't even be talking about the Yankees right now. I have long hair. I haven't shaved in five days, so I'd Go be giants. Um, yeah. And then you have the Randy Levine situation with Dylan Batances. The year he was going into arbitration, he wanted he you know you know the whole ordeal with arbitration. The two sides go, one submits the salary they want, the player, and then the team submits the salary they're willing to give, and then. Um, the, the independent arbiter decides whether the player has the better case or the team has the better case, or they meet in the middle. Dylan Batances and his agent, I guess, submitted a salary that was super high after his career year. And Yankees president, Randy Levine, reportedly, I guess, I, I'm pretty sure it's common knowledge at this point, pulled him into a room and berated him for asking for that much money. The, 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 the $5 billion franchise pulling a dude, a relief pitcher into a room to yell at him because he asked for too much money in a negotiation that was not to be decided by anybody except a random guy looking at stats and numbers. So even if it was too much money, how much money was Dylan Batances really asking for in his second year of arbitration? It could, it literally could not have been that much. So Weird things with the Yankees, weird, weird ways that they want to follow protocol, weird ways that they want to um, have their self viewed through a certain lens, 
weird ways how they want to handle business. We talk about it all the time with their mismanagement of assets. They want to see that they want to see certain things through. They want to do things their way. They don't want to give into public pressure. They don't want to give into what other teams are doing and how other teams are upgrading and, and doing their business in free agency or on the trade market. So um, no, I'm not siding with the Yankees for this. It's the same thing. Giants. I took the hat off. It was making me hot, but same thing with the Giants. Mm-hmm. I don't support this Giants ownership group. Time has passed. They're, they're lost. They're totally lost. So many other ownership groups have figured it out or the teams have sold um, and they've gotten it together and they figured out how to create a new culture um, and kind of uh, create an infrastructure where you have the right people coming in and you have the right successors. And look at the Giants. They haven't had a, a correct successor in their last four tries. Um, look at the Yankees. I, they're, they're staying Say what you want about Aaron Boone. I think he's a solid dude, but you know, you commit to him for another, you know, potential era of Yankees baseball. Do we think that's the right move? I have no idea. If you're a bold friend, um, if you're supposed to be a bold franchise like the Yankees, you know, you probably would do you probably should be doing something a little bit more um extreme, I guess is the word, or drastic. I, I don't know. And the Yankees just haven't done that in so long. And then they have these outbursts about this weird stuff. Just weird. I don't understand what reputation are they trying to uphold? They just want to, they want to be this buttoned up group of guys who just doesn't, who, who don't get the job done. Like, I, I don't know what it is. It's very weird to me. Um, and the fact that this is priority with the higher ups goes to show that maybe priorities aren't in line. Maybe if the, it's, it's, this was the team president, you said, I forgot who this was. COO. Yeah. Lon Trost, yeah. one of the old businessmen. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, like that's on this guy's docket. He doesn't have somebody beneath him to go yell at the Staten Island pizza rats. He doesn't have somebody beneath him to go hop on the ferry and knock on the pizza rats uh, general manager's door and talk to him. I, I don't, I don't understand. So Weird, weird things. I don't support the Yankees in this. I don't know why we can't have fun. I don't know why things can't be different, but I don't know. I hope things change because I don't like the vibes. Lontrost, it's important to note, is is the absolute legend, uh, the anti-legend, who back in 2016 when the Yankees tried to install a new ticket policy to keep them off StubHub, uh, he justified it by saying, quote, the problem below market at a certain point is that if you buy a ticket in a very premium location and pay a substantial amount of money, it's not that we don't want that fan to sell it, but that fan is sitting there having paid a substantial amount of money for a ticket, and another fan picks it up for a buck and a half and sits there, and it's frustrating to the purchaser of the full amount. And quite frankly, the fan may be someone who has never sat at a premium location. So that's a frustration to our existing fan base. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I want more people who have never sat in premium locations in premium locations. That's actually what I want to see. Because when I watch the broadcast and I see... 55-year-old men in three-piece suits come into the Saturday matinee. That's bullshit. And when I see uh, three people sitting in the entire moat around the stadium for a 4 o'clock playoff game instead of somebody who actually cares, that's bullshit, too. So I'd rather real fans. My concern is real fans getting in real good seats rather than the original ticket holders from Citigroup getting their Yankees moat tickets and showing out in full force for the playoff game. So Lontros has always been somebody who's on the record as anti-fun. Uh, this team loves competing, but not winning. We can agree. They love selling merch. They love their brand. So they thought this was damaging to the brand, but they love selling merch and they only have one hat. So how could you be angry at adding hats? The pizza rats <laughs> are making more merch for you. 
and you're like, no, not that merch, not that merch. We just want more people to buy the interlocking NY one hat. We want each fan to buy seven normal fitteds. Okay, great. Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to update your brand at all? Or are you just relying on repeat customers wearing out their hats and buying new ones? Because as of now, I don't really understand the goal. There is no goal. It's just you ha- they want it. They're, they're, they were- Nothing has changed with the logo or the jerseys for however long. So uh, they're trying to uphold, but it's minor league baseball. It doesn't matter. If somebody in the Yankees office pitched this, I can understand somebody, I guess, being mad. But for a single-A minor yeah. league team in Staten Island, get over yourself. I mean, please don't rebrand the Major League Yankees to the Pizza Rats. And and definitely don't do that now. Like, don't do it. It's like the New York Chocolate Rains, and you invite Tazon Day out to the field. (laughs) Viral YouTube hit. Like, yeah, don't do the Pizza Rats now. But, yeah, the Major League team doesn't need a rebrand, but maybe you need to switch. Maybe they could do a City Connect jersey this year. If the baseball season ever occurs, it might be an interesting partnership to have. Cool. And maybe someday they'll have someone in charge who sees the pizza rats as a logical extension of that. Maybe they won't. My hopes are down. You shouldn't be doing a job like this past the age of 65. No. Who are these old men who are still running the Yankees and, and doing business ops, like acting like Ari Gold, but being on Medicare? <laughs> like, who are these people? Like, like they understand marketing. Anymore. Like, marketing has just changed. Everything has changed. That's the that's my problem with all of this, especially with the New York ownerships. It's like so many things are changing and evolving by the day. Like forget about forget about like the last 10 years. How about the last like three years? Yeah. People regular. It's hard for regular people to keep up. I don't like I don't pay attention to it. I don't even know. So how is somebody so outdated in these roles doing? And it's you know, it's the same thing. It's like the Giants. John Mara just wants to keep hiring the same people because he likes having connections but it's not about that it's about just getting the right guy in the building and not worrying if he knows your second cousin or he knew a coach that you hired four years ago um so figure it out yankees i'm really sick of dealing with this also kind of sick of people defending gary sanchez perfect transition here um i'm not sick of i mean are we sick of gary sanchez i don't know i want gary sanchez to do well i i like him I, i i mean i don't have a problem with him i would like for you know a little bit of the uh, the the mental gaffes and and the bizarre errors and the seemingly not being on the the right pa- uh, page with somebody else or in the right headspace to stop. Um, but you know, people have Gary Sanchez, polarizing figure. We've talked about it a million times on this podcast. It's either you dislike. There's very few people, I guess, like us who want Gary to be good and can understand his flaws, but will not unreasonably, you know, defend him for no reason. I don't defend any player for no reason. It doesn't really make any sense if you're doing that, but Gary, Mm -hmm. you can't be defending his defense at this point. If you're a Gary Sanchez Stan, you just can't, he's not really that good of a defender. Um, You want to talk about people citing Derek Jeter's defensive run saved and all that crap. Gary Sanchez's metrics are not good. Um, and this video uh, that you that you mentioned earlier um, in the intro from at framing MLB MLB frame there is a Twitter account for everything, dude. MLB framing vids. Who That's is the lockout? Doing this? That's the lockout. Who is doing this? Who is coming up with a compilation of 2021 Gary Sanchez framing highlights? Anyway, lowlights. Yeah, lowlights. So this. Uh, at Framing MLB, led off with a compilation of Gary Sanchez's worst frames from last year, uh, showing that Sanchez was in the 16th percentile for RES 
and 39th percentile for framing defensive run saved slash call called pitch blow replacement level. So anyway, you look this up and uh, it's bad. The video is bad. The video is bad. Not on the same page with pitchers, um, just not catching balls, essentially just not doing what the catcher is supposed to do as someone who's hired to be a catcher. Um, And it's a problem because you don't – do you think that there's some outlandish reason that Garrett Cole doesn't want Gary Sanchez catching him? Do you think there's some outlandish reason? Corey Kluber was here for one year. One year and he didn't want Gary Sanchez catching him. Corey Kluber made, what, 17 starts? And he knew, yep, nope, Gary Sanchez not catching me, not doing that, nope. So Gary hmm. Sanchez, for a poor, for a good, for at least the first two months of the season, was not catching two out of the five times per week because there's a clear issue with his defense. Um, and I'll let you talk about this, obviously, because I know you want to, but you look at, I'm not comparing Sanchez to Yadier Molina, okay? I'm not, but... Uh, Foolish Baseball did this great video about Yadier Molina and his Hall of Fame case. I think Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer. Um, uh, some stats suggest no, um, but I, I'm a big believer in can you, you know, we talk about it all the time. Can you tell the story of this of this generation of baseball players or this era of baseball without this player? You cannot do that without Yadier Molina, who's been the best catcher in baseball for however long. Um, and pitch framing is Molina's specialty. And there is an advanced stat for pitch framing. It's it's called RFM, framing runs. And you have like positive or negative. It's like def- defensive run saved. So it's mm. the same concept based on how well you frame, how many runs you can save by how many outs you create or how many runners you allow to get on base or how many bases you allow to be stolen, all that shit. Um, so anyway, for his career, Yadier Molina has 145 plus 145.2 um Framing runs. Mm-hmm. Gary Sanchez has negative 10 for his career. So mm-hmm. I understand. Yadier Molina has been around for 20 years. I understand there, there's a much greater body of work there. But if you have negative 10 across like five-ish MLB seasons where you still have not really played a full MLB, I think Gary Sanchez's most games played in a year is 122. If you have negative 10 for your career and you've been playing mostly like part-time duty throughout your career, that is bad. It's not good. And then you look at his other numbers. Uh, well, in 2021 alone, so Gary, this is how bad he was in 2021, which actually made this video very relevant. Negative to, uh, negative uh, six runs from extra strikes. So that is the runs that you allow to happen if you're not framing the strike correctly or tricking the umpire into thinking a ball is a strike. So he had negative six in, in just 2021, catching 100 and because he DH'd a bunch of games. So I want to say he, he caught maybe 110 games. Not good. Yeah. He was good for negative 10 defensive run save last year. Also not good. So you look into these advanced stats, you look at the, because we always talk about how, oh, it's the eye test. I watched Gary Sanchez play. He's not that good. Oh, well, you know, we could dig deeper and find this. I don't find anything positive about Gary Sanchez or like, not even that. It's like, you look at his stuff and it's like, okay, what can we, what can we look at that might improve year over year? And I, I don't, I don't see anything. And this is, this is the most problematic of all, because if he's not catching, if he's not doing the basics of catching, then we're going to have another situation next year where our best pitcher is going to be on the mound. And our supposed best catcher is not going to be behind the plate. Another big issue that we shouldn't have. 
It does seem to be a problem, doesn't it? I, I mean, you remember the more glaring elements of Gary Sanchez's poor defense when he legitimately took a, an out off the board and turned it into a run when he forgot to put the tag down on the Mets. Like, you see that and it's like, oh, there's one there's one defensive run not saved uh, because that's one of the worst plays you'll ever see. But it goes way deeper than that. And the stats bear it out. And again, we're not looking for Yachty or Molina behind the plate. And we're not looking for, like, Johnny Bench uh, you know, at the bat either. We don't need the best offensive catcher in history or the best defensive catcher in history. We don't need to marry both elements. We just need to find something in between enough offense that makes up for the defense and enough defense that makes him playable in a big game. And without Garrett Cole trusting him and without the imported pitchers trusting him either, it doesn't look good. And I also think it's worth mentioning that obviously Kyle Higashioka is not your starter next year, but Kyle Higashioka is really good at this. And, and... Foolish Baseball was good enough to bless us with this stat last night. Kyle Higashioka barreled 2.6% of all pitches he saw in 2021. If it sounds high, it is. It's the same rate as George Springer, Jordan Alvarez, and Aaron Judge. What are we doing? Kyle Higashioka is not your starter, but he's barreling pitches at the same rate as the best players in baseball. And he's better on defense than Gary Sanchez. So that's not to say Higashioka should be starting, and that's not to say the ratio would still bear itself out if he gave him more reps and more ABs, but it is to say that the people who are like, the Yankees are losing themselves a playoff game by refusing to start, like they're going to start Higashioka? Oh, well, then they're just throwing a playoff series in the toilet. Are you sure about that? There's just as much of a chance he's going to barrel a ball as Aaron Judge, according to last year's data, and the defense is obviously better. So that's, and, you know, the eye test too. I mean, the vibes changed completely during last year's division series without Gary Sanchez in, in the mix. Um, all this is to say it's nothing definitive, but it's just, it's, it's a lot of food for thought there. And the, the, the framing montage you brought up really does. I mean, thank God there is something called MLB framing videos. There shouldn't be, but it, it really is. I mean, when you see them all laid up in a line like that, it's like, Oh, it's so much worse than I thought it was. Yeah. There were 10 of them, which isn't a whole lot. I'm sure there's more because God bless MLB framing vid if he's going through every game trying to figure out where the, where there was a screw up. But here it's just like it's just one of two things. It's either you're not good at defense or you're not on the same page with the pitcher. And it's hard to believe that you have Aroldis Chapman in this video, you have Jonathan Lewiska, you have Chad Green, you have Jordan Montgomery, um, and uh, there's one other person. So that's five pitchers, or yeah, there's five pitchers in this video. They can't all be wrong maybe they are that's but it's it's but it's unlikely if we're it's talking unlikely. about if we're talking about math likelihood of that of all of them being wrong is not is not likely and we are talking about math and we are we are talking about math <laughs> so i don't know it's uh i don't like it i hope it improves i want gary sanchez behind the plate catching garrett cole it's stupid that we even have to talk about this and deal with it but whatever but I just can't Whatever. have people blindly defending him because I'm done with that. I'm done with – like, Gary Sanchez, your best friend that you need – oh, Gary Sanchez is the best hitting catcher in the league. Okay, great. Gary Sanchez is the best hitting catcher in the league. A, he's not because there's, like, three or four better ones in him. And secondly, is somebody who bats, like, 220-230 and hits 20 home runs, is that worth the the negativity you get on the defensive end? Is that worth it for you? Because – the war that he's going to produce offensively is going to be immediately sapped away by whatever defensive defensive inefficiencies there are. And there are defensive inefficiencies because the stats show it. I'm not denying and and the and the and 
And I think the stats could be somewhat generous uh, based on the highlights that I watched <laughs> and based on his career low caught stealing rate. You, you have, you can't tell me he was good. He, he might've been good for negative 10 runs in, in uh, from a framing perspective. Um, so I, I don't know. To me, the trade-off is not worth it. I would just rather a catcher who bats 200 flat hits nine home runs and just sits at the bottom of the lineup and wastes away. than have a guy who doesn't hit me. Gary Sanchez is not hitting clutch, clutch situations. You can go look those stats up splits for you on baseball reference. Um, he strikes out a ton. Um, and there's no situational hitting from, from his end. That's, that's at all positive. I know he's had a couple of big hits here and there over his tenure. Of course, you're going to remember those. Hey, Gary Sanchez against the Astros in the playoffs. That was awesome. Oh, Gary Sanchez with the clutch home run against the Mets in the 2020 season. Oh, that home run at Fenway that tied the game and we eventually won. That was fun too. Yeah. All of it was, is, but like that's three moments in five or six years. And then you're looking at defense that is, is it regressing? I don't know if that if it's harsh enough to say that, but it's not getting better. And then you're looking at offense that already already plateaued. The offense already plateaued, guys. And even when it do, and even when he does have a, a 2019 season where he hits 34 home runs, you know the it, most of that production comes in comes in in you know spurts like what we've complained about with so many other Yankees. We complained about it with Giancarlo Santa at the beginning of last year. He had a two and a half week stretch from the middle of April until the beginning of May, where he literally accumulated all of his stats. And then he was OPSing 790, 791 on like August 2nd. And you're like, okay, what's going on here? This can't happen anymore. Like we need consistency. And then Giancarlo Stanton obviously does the unthinkable and makes everybody look like an idiot, which I was thankful for, um, including yeah. myself. But that's the other thing with Gary Sanchez, the trade-off. Is it worth it? Is it worth to incessantly defend him for no gain, there's no gain. Gary Sanchez is not going to send you a signed baseball card or you know invite you down to the clubhouse to hang out because you said he was really cool on Twitter one time. Um, it's just not going to happen. I mean, maybe it does. I don't know. It's probably not. Um, but that, that's, to me, the trade-off. I'd rather have a guy who you know what you're getting out of. You know he's not a great hitter. You know he's going to be nails behind the plate, though, and you know he's going to have a good rapport with all the pitchers. Um, we don't know if Gary Sanchez is – that great at hitting because it's been so inconsistent over the last three or four years that you don't really know what to make of them. Um, And we know the defense and the communication probably isn't that great based on just the stats and what's transpired. So for me, that's, that's my biggest issue. Cool. Call him the best hitting catcher in the league. He's not JT real Muto's better. Salvador Perez has historically been better. I would even say Yachty's better. Um, And uh, there's probably one more out there. Gary Sanchez is top five, I think. Um, but I don't, I, I just don't think that's enough to, you know, pay him 8 million or to nonstop defend him. But I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm the asshole. You just never know if you're the asshole or not. The, the long off season of lockout will definitely teach you whether or not you are in <laughs> fact, uh, the asshole. Uh, is there anything else fun you want to talk about? I mean, I don't, I, I'd like to put the caption on the board. I, I don't really have much else to discuss. It's, it's, it's not fun living the way we're living. I mean, no. I'm having very little fun on a day-to-day basis. Again, I fended off all the Trevor Bauer trolls on on Saturday. I didn't have to do much. They they did kind of just talk themselves. Most of his mentions were telling him to shut up, which was very nice. And the ones that did call me out and told me to pull my article and apologize to this private couple who, 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 yeah, their engagement was such a private special moment that he decided to use it as an opportunity to troll Trevor Bauer haters – and the first thing he thought of after he got engaged was, I got to show this to Trevor Bauer, someone I don't know. And then Trevor Bauer retweeted it and said, I love this. 
Trevor Bauer took a private thing and put it on blast and made it public. But apparently you're allowed to do that if you like it. And you're not allowed to do that if you hate it. I didn't like it. And so then I was like, this is very dumb. And Trevor Bauer is like, you're a huge asshole for making this private thing public, which, by the way, is something that you did, Trevor. That's what you did. <laughs> that's how I found out about it. Yes, that's how I learned. I actually would not have learned about it if you had not made it public. Smart. So I have very little else to say on Trevor Bauer and that situation. I don't know if you have any other fun topics to cover. Smart from that dude, though, because like if you're looking to get any sort of exposure at this point, anything positive coming Trevor Bauer's way, he knows he's got to magnify it. So, oh, yeah. boom. Maybe we. That's why I thought it was a prank. Yeah, maybe maybe we do something in a Trevor Benton. No, never gonna happen. Um, yeah. Anything else fun? Uh, we can go. Hmm. We, we the coaching changes. Coaching staff is set. Cool. Um, once mm-hmm. once again, don't care until I see the results. Um, funny thing we saw today: a ballot, a Hall of Fame ballot, voting for Manny Ramirez, but not a Rod, because that makes sense. Right? Yeah. What I read from that guy, and he did justify it. He also faved my quote tweet, which is never fun. I always I thought we were about to get into a discussion, and then he just had nothing else to say. I think he knows it's weird. Um, I mean, that's the kind of vote you make if you just like Manny Ramirez and don't like A-Rod. Yeah. That, that's the sum total. He, he justified it by saying, Manny, they both got suspended for steroids, but Manny got suspended when he was 37, and that's old. And A-Rod got suspended when he was 34, and that's only two years removed from his MVP prime. So that's a justification. As if three years is a difference between old and not old, and as if 34 to 32 is enough of a proximity that, like, now you've got a five, you've just created a five-year gap out of nowhere. You're like, 34 is basically 32, so it's like 37 and 32, but it's really 37 and 34. <laughs> it's just that you don't like A-Rod. I mean, that that made no sense to me. Yeah, that's, a, like, that's what we need at this point in the, in the voting process. Look, Another thing I want to—I I wrote on Twitter that that I should vocalize: making ballots anonymous when there's like 405 votes. If you can't stand to deal with the backlash of your votes, I don't even know if you're do if you're making it anonymous. It's clear that you think you're going to deal with backlash, so you're being a coward in some respect. Secondly, it's an it's it's a huge privilege to vote for these players to the Hall of Fame, and you not putting your name on it takes away from it. And lastly. All of these players' lives at some point in time throughout their careers have been upended because of the fact that they've been in the spotlight. Every single one of these guys on the ballot, most of them on the ballot, have have had crazy turmoil because of their association with steroids, because of any off-the-field issues, because of something crazy they did during a game or some post-game press conference they had that wasn't well-received. These guys' lives, everything that they do is under a microscope. And you, once a year can't even put your vote out there with your name attached to it. It's insane. I don't know how it's allowed. It shouldn't be allowed. But nonetheless, the important part here is that we need more voters to simply just come out and say, I like this guy and not this guy. Or this guy This guy was nice to me, or I'm a fan of this team, and that's it. Because at this point, the voting is not objective. And it's very obvious based on the patterns that we're seeing from some of these voters, who they're including, who they're excluding, I mean, the biggest red flag to me here is, uh, I know we talked about it last episode, people keep voting for Kurt Schilling, and Kurt Schilling asked to not be voted for, and everybody's doing it. I, I like it's, it's, this, it's the craziest stuff to me. I don't know what the logic is here. It's, it's twisted in some capacity, but we need to acknowledge and we need people to be honest about their biases 
because that's what it is at this point. You're, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to everybody else. And then you're just creating more arguments and more people yelling at each other on Twitter because of whatever you're doing. And it's, it's just very evident what's happening here. Everybody likes David Ortiz. David Ortiz is, I like David Ortiz as a Yankees fan. Absolutely. Nice guy. Cool guy. If he was on my team, dude, he'd probably be my favorite player ever. He's awesome. Um, great personality, very outgoing, uh, always got the job done. Like, yeah, I can understand voting for him. If you like him, a rod, not likable, not really a cool guy, not really fun. Just got dumped by Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez. I mean, not really going well for him in many respects. And his, his, uh, longest, he served the longest ever suspension in major league baseball. That interview with, who was that with, was that Barbara Walters? When he did the first the, the A Rod interview, yeah. I I believe it was yeah. yeah it wasn't Mark McGuire and Bob Costas on sixty minutes. Yeah, no, when they when they he, were like, yeah. "Have you ever done performance enhancing drugs or anything to compromise the integrity of the game?" And he's like, "No." It was that interview, so it was like yeah. his interviews were bad. He clearly lied. He got suspended again, and it was bad. And then he went on whatever the you know the crazy the scorched earth thing was, and then the Yankees had to force him to retire. So yeah, I get not liking A Rod, but we cannot exclude the accomplishments here and we can't and and like the other thing if okay great david ortiz tested positive before he got to the red sox okay great a rod didn't test positive when he when when he won his mvp or when he when he went on the giant playoff run or when he did all this stuff so like we can't be a positive test is a positive test i'm not saying i'm saying a rod situation is definitely worse than david ortiz's but we also can't exonerate somebody because oh you know they did they tested positive when this happened or, oh, Manny, he tested positive later in his career and got suspended later in his career. So that didn't matter. It's a positive test. You did something. You could have been cheating the system the entire time because that's clearly what was happening for two decades. So moral of the story, just admit the biases. I think people would be less mad at you if you did that. And again, uh, 37 is different than 34, which is basically 32, which when you think about it is basically 30, which is almost 29. And then 37 might as well be 40, which once you're 40, you know, what's 45? And then you're tripping. And so Manny tested positive at age 47. I'm supposed to hold that against him. And A-Rod tested positive when he's 26. And I'm supposed to think those things are roughly equivalent. I mean, you can make up any weird false equivalency you want to. Both men were suspended for positive tests. Usually that's the line in the sand. Honestly, as the chart goes, it's A-Rod and Manny suspended after the rules drop black marks on both their careers david ortiz positive test moving on barry bonds and roger clemens no major league sanctioned positive test those yeah. are the three it's buckets. insane I don't, uh, I don't the david it. ortiz thing might not be real might not be a legit positive test could be a false positive i don't not going to take what rob manfred says as law the bonds and clemens things obviously there's overwhelming evidence they use but again no major league sanctioned positive test sammy sosa is in uh is in poppy's bucket too only the one anonymous survey test. And if Sammy Sosa had gone on to be a beloved figure and Rob Manfred spoke at Sammy Sosa retirement day at Chicago, he might've said the same thing he said about David Ortiz yeah. it, at David Ortiz retirement day in Boston. I just don't know. I'd vote for all six of the people I just mentioned, Yep, but they do fall in distinct piles of overwhelming evidence and suspensions and, and multiple positives, one positive, no positives. And the guys who never get in are in the no positives column. And uh, you can't, it's really tough to differentiate the Manny and A-Rod thing unless you're just going to come out and say, I rooted for Manny Ramirez during his career and did not root for Alex Rodriguez. Yes. I did not like the way he left Seattle. 
I did not like the money he grabbed in Texas. I did not like him forcing a trade to New York, and I did not like you know his prima donna attitude. Fine, great, but just say that, and we'll be better off for it. I agree. Honesty, 2022, turnover leaves. Just be honest. The anything fun segment that ended up being pretty fun. Yeah, that was, was uh, some fun stuff. Um, great. That's it. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame every day until the results get announced. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the results once they're once they're out. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Pretty long for a post-New Year's podcast. Pretty good amount of content for all of y'all. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it and come to us live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern time, Mondays and Thursdays, all off-season long. Until we got to do more, and then we'll start doing more when there's news. We will. But for now, Mondays and Thursdays. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find us on yanksoyard.com for all of our written content. Uh, Good times there. Uh, trying to get more stuff for you folks. It's tough, but we're doing it. Uh, you can also talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, we're there for daily discussions. Like I said, anything you want to ask, anything you're wondering, um, it's boring right now. So things are crossing people's minds. Don't be, don't be afraid. Ask away, chat away. Um, and until next time, guys, happy new year. Obviously two years, uh, three, th- two years into the new year. Yeah. Three days into the new year. It's good stuff. Next time we'll be talking to you. Thursday at 2 p.m. live on YouTube. We'll be live on Twitter too, technically. Um, And we hope to see you there with us. Have a good rest of the week. Yes, folks. See you there. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.